0: Amen. You know, there there's a storm coming. You know that? You've braved the terrible weather. You made it across the byways and highways to get here. But you know, there's another storm coming. And that's, I, I really believe, and we're seeing it gather now, internationally, nationally, state-wise, locally. And it's a time for the church to really be, be the church, to really do what the church is supposed to do. Uh, next Sunday, Pastor Ryan's going to be... Uh, uh, we're starting a, a series of messages called Arise and Build. And we've had some exciting things happening, developing. Uh, one of the things we've been doing quite uh, diligently the last six months, I've been leading the charge on uh, building acquisition, building a building, whatever direction. And we really feel like we've found the direction now. A couple of the last pieces of the puzzle will be put together this week. Uh, we've had a contractor donate us actually land to build on, which uh, that's a big deal. Praise God. And uh, we've got uh, our preliminary plans all set to go. The staff's gone over them, and now they just have to be uh, taken to the next step in the architectural process. And if everything goes the way we really believe God wants it to go, by the 1st of August, we will be in a new, brand new building, very techy, very cool, but done very uh, economically, but very, very exciting. And we're really, really looking forward to it. And I believe next Sunday you're going to hear a great report uh, I'll be in Yakima, Washington next Sunday and the following week in Utah and then coming back and I'm going to uh, share a couple messages in this theme of arising and building. But you know what? We need to stand against the storm. The church needs to be the church. The church has to get back to the basics. I was talking to uh, Sean Hennessy on the phone yesterday in, in Oregon. We were talking about a little bit about what I call sloppy agape, uh, but really on the other side of the coin, uh, grace. You know, God's grace is wonderful. He forgives us. He became a sacrifice for us. He shed His blood so that we could have a relationship with him. But sometimes we uh, and I've seen it down through the years, you know we know what we should do, but we don't do it. Even Paul in, in Romans said, "I know what I should, but then, oh wretched man that I am." And uh, yet the, the reality is this: We now have to move from knowing what we should do to doing it consistently and not using this little phrase, oh, God, I'm sorry, you know, uh, and then repeat the process over and over again. Because the, the downward spiral of that kind of activity, we're seeing the results of it today around the world. We're seeing it in our state. We're seeing it at so many different levels. We're seeing that man does not want to submit to authority. Sometimes we don't like the authority that's put in place. Sometimes we don't agree with the authority that's uh, put, in, put in place. Uh, I didn't vote for our present president, but I do support him in prayer. I, that's what the Bible says. We support those who are in authority. The Bible says nothing happens unless it flows through authority. Pastor Ryan preached on that. And uh, so we need to be people who understand authority. Now, we can disagree, but the key is disagreeing and not being disagreeable, not crossing the line. So I want to today uh, talk about, we're going to dig some... Uh, uh, ditches today, I guess you would call it. We're going to talk about what's next. I believe what's next for the church, what's next for each and every one of you in this room, is to really connect with the Word of God. And and really, really connect. Pastor Ryan mentioned something uh, uh, in his prayer when he was talking about, there are things in the Bible that are tough, or that's hard to you know, get involved in, and you've got to fight through. One of the good things about getting old, and there are a lot of good things about getting older, is the fact that I can tell you now things that were tough for me to push through early in my Christian life, even early in my ministry, are not tough anymore, because I've seen it over and over. When you do it God's way, it works. And I can look now at my family, and I can look at people that I've affected for the gospel. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in Fresno preaching. You might have heard when Dale Oak was here, he preached a message entitled "Mama, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Pharisees." And I preached at his great church in Fresno, and. Uh, I was telling some of the people, I I had Dale and I got together with the mayor of Fresno. He used to be a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers named Carlos Brown. Those of you that are old historians on Packers stuff might remember him. Uh, It's a great story. And uh, you just see what God's wanting to do. And we were talking about what God wants to do in the nation. And we're going to bring, he he now goes by Alan Autry, which is a, that was his real name. He and his mom had to run away from a very abusive father. And it's a great story how he came to Christ. And you know what? But he had to go and do it God 's way, just like we have to do it god 's way here today. Amen. so are you ready to rumble i'm expecting some amens i'm expecting you just to to burst with excitement. There, oh, come on, there we go come on can i can I get a witness from the congregation? Amen, all right, If you have your Bibles open to second Kings chapter three. We're going to look at 25 verses. I'm going to have to whip through them quickly because we do want to get you out of here and, and get you home and beat the storm. And thank you for coming. We appreciate that. And uh, it's, there's nothing wrong with being cautious. We joke about it, but uh, being cautious is important. So now we look at the word. Father, I pray first that you would bless your word. Lord, that you would teach us today. And Lord, this is a message to teach us simple biblical principles based on a series of mistakes that one godly man made plus the trickle-down effect of moving away from what you intended us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, you remember about the Old Testament. You should know this. It says it's a schoolmaster. It's to teach us. In fact, in Corinthians, you see where it says that we, we're, our forefathers taught us many lessons. Some of the greatest lessons you can learn are by the mistakes that others have made, right? Right? That's a very important thing. Uh, And so I want want to show you some things here. We're going to whip through this, give you a little historical background. We'll dig three or four ditches and we'll let you go so you can snowblow sometime. All right? Smile. Come on, guys. I mean, hello. This is great. Now, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah and reigned 12 years. A little bit about Jehoram. He had an interesting father. His father's name was Ahab. His mother's name was Jezebel. She was a wicked, wicked queen, meaner than a junkyard dog on steroids. I'm telling you, the woman was bad news. Ahab was not a a great king, but the influence of his wife. So he has this son. Now, I want to tell you, you know, how you act and react as a parent really many times will trickle trickle down to your kids. The greatest testimony that you can have is for your kids to serve God. The greatest testimony you can have is for your kids to do it God's way, not the world way. So we, we, we move on here, and it says, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. In other words, he wasn't as bad as Ahab and Jezebel, but not like his father and mother, for he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Now, Baal was a a, a God, a small g God, that they worshipped. So he did something sort of good. But let me just tell you this, write it down, understand. Partial obedience is still disobedience. God doesn't want just us once in a while, or God just doesn't want us agreeing with this portion and then taking the scissors and cutting the other parts of the Bible out that we don't like. So here we have a situation actually Ahab and in his kingdom uh was a part of a chain of kings that have come you had kings that served God, you had kings that didn't, you had backsliding, you had some that re-embraced the things of God. And really, throughout the Old Testament, we see sort of a yo-yo type of thing. Serve God one time, then you had family that didn't serve God another time. You know what I'm praying for is that we could raise up a church that will be consistent, will raise kids that serve God, will raise men and women who go into the workplace and be godly. Can somebody just agree with me, please? And, and that's what we need to do. And when you don't do that, What you have is you raise kids that move further and further away from the principles that were over here. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. So he was disobedient. He continued in that sinful fashion. See, sin is addictive. Sin is like a disease that grabs you. I know the first, well, actually from about... 13 years to 20 years of age in my case, I mean, I just let sin run rampant and anything I could get my hands on that, uh, that was appeasing to the flesh, anything I could drink or participate in. And, and I was just fall that sin just, it just grabbed me. And then I met Jesus. Thank God I met Jesus. Thank God that I was in a church that said, this is what the word of God says. Some of the stuff that we find in the Word of God in the natural doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm going to show you as we go along in this. But when, you, when it doesn't make sense in the natural in the Word of God, it makes tremendous sense in the supernatural. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder and regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. That would have been... That was an agricultural society that was a rather large stipend, to say the least, that he was paying the king. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel, his son. So Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all of Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat. Now let me tell you about Jehoshaphat. Jehoram wasn't serving God. He was I mean, he did that good little thing, but he still was involved in all of the sin. Now, Moab was always a pain in the proverbial butt of Israel. Are, are you guys okay today? I mean, I'm pulling out little things that should sort of tickle you a little bit. And, and in other words, it was like, for example, it was like uh, it, they were constantly at it, and, 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 and they were whenever they, they would be put down for a while, but whenever there was... And it's a type of the enemy... Whenever you, whenever you give in, the enemy rises up. Whenever Israel would continue on the backsliding thing, Moab would rise up to give them problems and bring difficulty to them. So now they're rebelling, and so Jehoram calls them together. Jehoshaphat, by the way, that's a great name, isn't it? My daughter's going to have a little baby boy. They just found out this week that it's a boy. Just certain things on the picture would indicate that that was probably the case. And, <laughs> hello? I just see if you're, on the, you know, if you're thinking today. And, uh, but Jehoshaphat was a great man. So I, I, I probably, I was going to email her and say, why don't you think about Jehoshaphat? She wouldn't even think about Arnie. It's going to be Landon Joshua Pierce, and that's just the way it's going to be. But anyhow, uh, Jehoshaphat was a godly man and, and, and lived the principles of Scripture, had a great uh, track record of serving God and, and being involved. But we're going to see he becomes a part of something he should never have become a part of. And we see this in the body of Christ so much. Good people making a rapid decision based on not having all the facts, and then they get involved in, in gossip and rumor, or they get out on the battlefield, and they find out the people that they're trying to battle with really aren't on the same page as they are. So I'll give you that little bit before we jump here a little bit further. I want to read it to you. So the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go up with me and fight against Moab? And he said, that's Jehoshaphat, I will go up, and I as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Now the reality of this is, he was not like Jehoram. He wasn't on the same page. He had trained his people in a different way, but now he brings them into an environment with an ungodly uh, alliance. And ungodly alliances will mess you up. I am so glad that my children married Christians. As I talk about maturity and age, I've been along now seeing a lot of things happen. And I've pastored people who... I I can remember one case of uh, a young man who... uh, Just a great young man in our church, and his parents got saved, and he came in, but he was really sort of... When he locked onto something, that's where he stayed, and I saw that in him. He's a great trumpet player. He gets called into the ministry, but he starts dating this girl. And this girl's parents made it very clear to him... And to this young man's parents, that their daughter wasn't about what they were about, and they were only in junior high. And, and I can remember the parents saying, "Oh, well, it's no big deal. I mean, just in junior high, it could be just puppy love, puppy love crush." But my favorite saying is, "Puppy love can be the prelude to a dog's life." And again, we just—I'm trying to keep you with me here. Anyhow, so to make a long story short: he graduated from high school. They dated all along. They graduated from college. They got married. And now they have a relatively nice marriage today. Uh, she's a music teacher. He actually owns a, uh, a nice little factory. He's very successful. But you know what? He's not serving God in the way God called him. He settled for second best. And if he would have found a lady, a young lady, that would have supported his ministry, he would have probably been pra- playing his trumpet today, being a minister of music. You see, sometimes we have to make strong stands you know, I, I've done that with my kids and I put myself out on the line. I've taken strong stands in the moral side of things and it hasn't been the popular thing because everybody right away, if, even if you take a stand on one side of this issue in Madison or the other side, people look at you, they get mad at you, this side gets mad at you. But you have to evaluate the issue based on the Word of God, right? So don't realize that decisions you make now, alliances that you form in business and relationship can eventually detour you from what God would have you to do. Then he said, we shall go up. And he answered, which way should we go up? By the way of the wilderness of Edom. And when I was studying and preparing for this, uh, if you look at a map, (laughs) it was sort of dumb. But see, when you get into the wrong alliance with people, the wrong things, you do dumb stuff. Let me tell you, I have done some dumb stuff in my day. I have made some tracks and done some things that I said, whoa, what were you doing? Now this on the map, Edom, by the way, it was a desert. Now picture this. You get these three kings together. They got horses, animals, donkeys, whatever they had that were pulling their armaments to go up to battle against Moab. And they go where there's no water. And guess what? Horses drink a lot of water. And their animals need that, and in a desert situation, high desert, tense heat, guess what? You evaporate quickly, you get hot, you get thirsty, and and these animals and all of a sudden you're walking down the road, and your, thung, your, your tongue gets thicker, and your animals are starting to drop. So they go up this way, and so the king of Israel went up with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on the roundabout. <laughs> See, there were roundabouts back then too. My, life, my wife likes roundabouts. Chad, my son, hates them. I don't know why. In fact, I was reading this about six months ago and he was visiting. He said, Man, they're putting all these roundabouts in here. I said, Well, it's scriptural. They marched around the roundabouts seven days. <laughs> and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. Now, verse 10, this is classic. I've seen this. And Like I'm talking about a schoolmaster, I've seen this over and over. Verse 10, and the king of Israel said, "Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to deliver them into the hand of Moab." Now, let me just tell you something, friends. God didn't align that that comp, th- those three guys to come together. He didn't want Joshua a part of the trip. But you know what? We go do our things. We go do all of the stuff that we want to do. We run off half blank and and then all of a sudden we get in the jam and we say, god how could you do this to me God, god 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 didn't have anything to do it but you know what let's blame god let's put it oh god it's your fault god it's your fault god here i am so let's go on and see what else we can find out here but jehoshaphat said is there no prophet of the lord that we may inquire of the lord by him so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elijah, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now Elisha was the double-portion guy. I mean, he was with one of the greatest prophets that ever were, was. And when he was about to die, he said, Son, what do you want from me before I go? And he, I mean, it was pretty cool because he was, he was whisked up to heaven in a chariot with angels. I mean, that'd be a pretty... How would you like to go to that funeral? Oh, wow. Man, most of us say, if we could just be with a guy that would get transported to glory like that, it would be pretty cool. This guy said, I want twice what he had. You know, I think it's time that the church of Jesus Christ starts saying, you know what, we need a double portion of the Holy Spirit. We need a double portion of desire to get the job done for God. You know, we, Billy Graham was great, but praise God, let's raise up men and women who serve God. So he, I don't know how he got along on the trip. I'm sure it was providential. Maybe he knew. Maybe he, he, he maybe watched from a distance and saw Jehoshaphat say, oh, well, our people are like your people. And Elijah said, man, you are way off, bud. But I'm going to go along because you're going to get in the soup, and I love you, and I'm going to help you. When you get to heaven, you can ask them. They don't give you that in the text. That's just a little side issue here. Verse 13, then Elijah said to the king of Israel, what I have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now you might remember when Elijah was on the mountain with the 450 prophets, 800 to 1 odds. What did he say? Is your God sleeping? And maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's on vacation. Well, he knew there was no Baal God. There's nothing there. So Elisha said, well, why don't you call on your bail and see if he can bail you out? See, that, see, just we're this. I didn't use that the first service. It's just for you guys because you braved this terrible weather to be here. <laughs> so then again, he's blaming. And Elijah said, as the Lord of, of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely if it were not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, King of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Now you've got to understand, these ancient kings were very powerful men. And when you would lip off to them, you could have your lips cut off or your head in addition to your lips cut off. But he said, you know what, buddy? I would, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, it's lucky you brought him along even though he was disobedient, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't give you the time of day. I'd let the Moabs fry you, eat you, take care of you. But there's a parallel here. I think what we are going to see is the church has compromised in America and around the world. There's been compromise in so many people that they're frightened to preach the Word of God. They don't want to irritate anybody. They don't want to take sides on any stands when it's so obvious that it's right there. You see, the obvious has always been very obvious to me. Some of that went trotting right over your head too. You know what I mean? But here's the deal. I think today, if it wasn't for the church of Jesus Christ, that that God would say, you know what? This mess you've created down there, you know what? Go to your addictive gods. Go to your rebellious things that you've been doing. See if you can talk your property or, or your 401K or, or, or see if you can get that stuff to deliver you. But I think God's looking at America today and the world today and Green Bay today and say, you know what? If it weren't for the church, man, I would just let them go at each other and just rip their eyes out. But I'm telling you right now, because of him, let's do something. Now I want to talk real quickly now about, in the next 10, 15 minutes here, about digging some ditches. So now here's what he says here. And and, and, and verse 15, he says, Now bring me a musician. So the prophet wants to have some worship. He said, then it happened when that musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon me. I want to tell you, friends, there's nothing like the hand of God on you. Nothing like it. Nothing that will... I don't care. You can smoke weed until you got smoke coming out of your ears. You can inject crap into your veins. You can drink until the, the soda or the beer or the booze runs out of every orifice in your body. <laughs> And it will never give you even close when I feel the hand of God on me. And as we were singing, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, in the first service this morning, I felt the strong hand of God on me. And it's a feeling that only God can give you. And when that happens, you're ready. And here's what he says. So when the musician came, he said this, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. Now you got to picture this thing. If you, if you went to the map, here they are in this valley of Edom, desert, hot. Their horses are barely standing. Their tongues are getting thick. They're, they're so dehydrated. And all around them, on the hills around, is the enemy Moab. Now when you are surrounded and you're in that place... And the very horses that you need to try to have, to use in the conflict for battle, your animals, it's shot. And what does God say to them? Make this valley full of ditches. So I said, get out your little shovels. So they got out their shovels, off their horses or their pack animals. And what they had to do, it's interesting when you think about it, because if they were in armament, they had to take their armor off so they could start digging. So they did it. Now, let me just... So they're digging these ditches. Now, if I'm a, a mole bite, I'm looking down at these idiots. I'm thinking, oh, 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 praise God, man, they're digging their own graves. They dig those ditches, we'll just push them in the graves. and we run down and take all of their stuff, and we beat the snot out of them. These Israelites are crazy. They're nuts. What are they doing? There's a parallel here today. There's a lot of people out there making fun of the church of Jesus Christ. We come in, we raise our hands, we worship. Oh, a lot of you don't do that, but the Bible says lifting holy hands. Maybe you don't raise them because they're not holy. I don't know. Oh, but that's embarrassing. Man, I put on my deodorant this morning, t-shirt to absorb whatever else. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lift my hands and worship God. Now let me just tell you this: If some wacko came in here this morning, busted through the back door, had him an AK-47 stood in front here and said, get up, put your hands up. Guess what? Every one of you would throw your hands up in a heartbeat. Are you with me? But let God say, surrender to me. I'm not doing that's embarrassing because I forgot to put on deodorant today. Come on now. You understand what I'm talking about here? People make fun of the church. I mean, I've had people come to our church. We had a really tremendous move of God. I mean, God was moving. That's going to happen. People are being touched. I mean, tremendous ministry. Oh, these people are crazy. Go to Lambo if you want true craziness. Cold, people writing on their bodies with yellow paint, guy dressed up like the Pope. Huh? Oh, but we're crazy. Okay, so they're doing this crazy thing. They're digging ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. So if you want to be successful, you've got to dig the ditch of worship. So we're gone here. For thus saith the Lord, you will not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you and your cattle and your animals will drink. Verse 18. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Why is it, friends? I believe the Bible. I just, I mean, I've got a lot of Bibles. This one's got a little bit bigger print. But I have a lot of Bibles. And you know what? I believe this Bible. Hello, do you? So when God says, if you train up your kids the way they will go, they the old will not depart from it. If the Bible says, you know, bring the tithe in. If the Bible says, pray. If the Bible says, boom. If the Bible says, dig a ditch. You see, we're digging a ditch right now. And, and, and there's, Pastor Ryan's been digging a ditch. And not everybody understands how we've dug the ditch and why we dig it or what's going on. But you dig the ditch. and Well, that's stupid. But see, God says, you know what, if you do it my way, it's simple. That's why I'm a preacher of the gospel, because if it were complicated, I couldn't do it. I'm just, you know what, put peg A in peg A slot, B and B slot. If you keep doing that long enough, it'll work for you, right? So you dig that ditch, and then, so they're digging these ditches. It's work. You see, sometimes we don't want to do the work until we see the water. And see, the water in that culture, and even today, it's the stuff of life. Everybody knows, drink eight glasses a day. Take it healthy. It's good for you, right? But anyhow, so they're digging these ditches. They take off their armament. And it's got to be more and more hilarious to the Moabites watching. Say, we're just going to let these guys self-implode. And this is a simple matter. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. And you shall attack every fortified city, every choice city, and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land. That's the Moabites. Now it happened in the morning. So they dug all the ditches. Night falls. So it happened in the morning when they received um, the grain offering was offered. (laughs) Now here we go again. Oh yes, you know, the church is just after your stuff. So here they are out in this terrible area. And now it's in the morning, and in the morning one of the things that they did, they took an offering. Hello, here we are, going to be dead meat, right? And, and they're passing the offering plate. I want to keep my grain. That's my grain. I, I might eat that grain if I become a slave. I mean, I need that grain. Maybe they won't feed me. But see, here's the deal. We also have to dig a ditch of giving. I want to tell you, friends, I have learned these last number of years. I've always been a, a hilarious giver, giving 30 40% of what I made. But when the last three years, when I had to give 100% of what I had, or 98% of my stuff, of money, of whatever to live and to start a church, and I mean, I've learned the lesson, man. You give it and God will fill the ditches. Hello, somebody say amen. Get, get excited with me here. I mean if you want if you want dull and boring church, man, go to the yellow pages, 90% of them will put you to sleep. Or everybody's so old that they can barely, you know, the click of walkers across the 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 tile will that'd be the only thing you to awake. To Come on now. And when all the Moabites heard that. And and, and, well, in, in the mor- when the, and so the sun comes up. I got to just hurry up. And then they rose early in the morning and the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw the water on the other side of as, as red blood. Now this time they're thinking, you know what? They did it to themselves. You see, a lot of times whenever you, you get a group together and there's rebellion, so they the Moabites are looking down. They see all the ditches that God did fill with water. He said it was a simple thing. In the middle of a desert, no springs, no nothing. He fills up these ditches and now in the morning when the sun hit that water and they're looking at it from the hillside it looks like blood. Okay? They're all dead. Now in in that culture when you conquered an army or they conquered themselves or they, they went nuts and killed themselves like when Gideon was blowing the trumpet and they're all laying there dead. What they would, they would go down and they would pick they would take the stuff. They would take their swords, they if they had any money on them, if they had gold in their teeth, they would pick that out and take it to the jeweler store and cash it in, you know. And they didn't do that, but I just threw that in to see if you're still awake here. So now they think these are they're all dead. They're all laying down there dead. So we're just gonna go down and we're gonna overcome. But see, so they go down, they take off their armament because and they got their little uh booty bags, uh bounty bags. Booty, maybe that's <laughs> the right word. Anyhow, uh <laughs> and so they, 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 they're going down with their bags and you know they left all their stuff up on the hill all their armament so now they come down and guess what fat, and those guys aren't dead that's water in those ditches and they slaughtered them because they're coming down to pick up what they think they're going to get and I'm telling you what This world might think the church is ineffective. They might think the church is dead. And they're ready to come down and pick our teeth. But guess what? When they arrive on the scene, we're going to kick the snot out of them. Hello! Right? Come on now. And so they had this great, great victory because they, they did it God's way. And what I'm telling you now many of you in this room, just like me, from time to time, we've gotten ourselves into difficult times. Our mouth has gotten us in trouble. Our alliances have gotten us in trouble. Our habits have gotten us in trouble. We haven't been what we're supposed to be to our kids. We use this sloppy agape. You know, we do stuff. Well, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'll just ask for forgiveness. That's a dangerous way to live. I believe God will forgive you. I've led people to Christ that were Christians that got away from God on their deathbeds. I've led people to Christ on their deathbeds that never knew God, but I'll tell you this. It's much better to serve Him. It's much better to do it God's way. When you face the final curtain, you aren't singing, I did it my way. When I face the final curtain, I'm going to say, God, I did it Your way to the best of my ability. You know there are going to be people in line and God's going to say to them, you know what, you might have... And they'll say, well, we did this, we did that, we did this. And God's going to say, I don't know you. Because He wants us to do it according to the book. Stand up. I'm done. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thirty-three minutes, man, Pastor Ryan. Keep that under your hat. (laughs) How are we going to close this today? We're going to do a couple things. First thing we're going to do is is we're going to ask I'm going to ask you the simple question, and I, I have no problem raising my hand. I don't need to close my eyes. How many of you have made decisions, you've jumped into alliances that you shouldn't have gotten into, and it's got you in trouble? Keep your hands up. Father, right now, so many of my brothers and sisters in Christ are acknowledging the fact that they've gotten out into a very dry desert. No water. The enemy seemed to be so oppressive. But Lord, You are right now. We're saying we're sorry. And Lord, something's rising up in us where Jehoshaphat said, is there not a man of God here that can give us some direction? And the church of Jesus Christ is rising up today to say, do it the Bible way. And Lord, right now we ask You to forgive us. But Lord, we don't want to have to respond to this again six months from now or a year from now or next week. We are going to solidify our walk and do it Your way. And Lord, from this day forward, we're going to serve You. And now, Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know You as personal Lord and Savior, I pray, God, right now, they pray this simple prayer with us. Let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And, Lord, I need you. I need you to come into my life, forgive my sins. And, Lord, from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. And in God's power, I consider it done. Amen.